0: got a word for you today. You ready? Here's the message for today. No excuses. That's the title of the message. No excuses. It's go time. If You're just joining us. That's the, the series that we're on. And I didn't know how y'all would take the video that we released on Facebook or not. But uh, I told them this before we did it, Pastor D did the video for us. I said, all I can picture is people who are ready in a game. And if those of you who follow basketball, you know LeBron James. He has his Rosimer chalk or something like that. You know, and he puts it on his hands and he throws it up in the air. And everybody goes crazy and it's like, it's time to play. And it's feeling this thing in my spirit with this church is that it's time. You know, it's, it's time to go. It, it, talking season's over. Uh, preparation we talked about that last week and now it's time to go and the biggest thing that will stop you at this moment if you are one of those who said yes I'm ready I know what I'm getting into or yes I'm ready I don't have a clue what I'm getting into either way you need to know that something happens right there an onslaught of excuses will confront you have you ever had that happen? You had good intentions. You were ready to head out. You you knew what you were supposed to do, and then all of a sudden, these voices started happening. And you can't tell where they come from. Sometimes, can you? It sounds like they're inside of you. It sounds like they're outside of you. But there's a lot of a lot of talking, and you're like, "Is that me thinking? Is that the? Where's this stuff coming from?" But it's this. This barrage of excuses. And I want to tell you today that you just have to prepare yourself that if you are ever going to do anything significant in life, if you're ever going to follow God, the excuses are going to come. And if you know that, when they come, you won't think that you're the only one they're coming to. Now see, I want to tell you today, that's just the normal tricks of the enemy. That's a normal part of life. And when they come, if you won't get so consumed by them, if you'll just realize, oh, okay, all right, now I'm in the season where I've got to push through all my excuses. And here's what I want for every person that is in the room, every person that hears my voice, whether you're here in this room or on Facebook Live, is I want to make sure that your life, when it is over, is not defined by your excuses. Can I say that that's my heart for you today? is that when you have finished all of your days, and when you close your eyes and you take your last breath, I don't want your life to be defined by the excuses that you made. But instead, I want your life to be the sum of the promises of God over you. That's my heart. That you, your life will be the sum of the promises, not, not the excuses. And so I want to take you to Exodus chapter 3. If you will be there in Scripture, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. Last week, Moses is minding his own business. Not trying to stir up any trouble. He's not trying to be anything. He's decided that he's going to be a shepherd the rest of his life. And he's cool with that. There was a time when he had a dream and a time when he had a vision. And he tried to go out and have it. But he messed it up. And so now he's just content with where he's at. But he remembers that there's some problems. And he knows that in the back of his mind there's a people. And they're hurting And occasionally he might think about them when he lays his head on his pillow at night. And there's problems and God comes to him in a burning bush. And I told you last week that if you see some problems around you, get ready because here is the message of God. Not just to Moses, but it's to you. Are you ready for this? Here is what God says to us. It's Exodus chapter 3 verse 10. Come now and I will send you. You hear that? There's problems in the world. There's problems in your family. There's problems in the place you work. Problems in the place you go to school. There's problems in our community and problems in our nation and problems in the world. And a lot of times people will pray and say, God, what will you ever do? And God says, (laughs) Come now. I'm going to send you. And Moses says, excuse me? (laughs) And Moses launches off into a series of about five excuses. There's about five of them in two chapters worth of Scripture. There's about five excuses. And so one of the first things that he says to God in verse 11 is this, Who am I? God has just called him out. Give it him purpose and a calling. And Moses looks at God and he says, who, "Who, who am I? And so here's what happens. The enemy will try to first disqualify you from ever going. Yeah? So can I talk to you for a moment about being disqualified? If there was ever a person who should have been disqualified, it would have been Moses. Because you see, Moses is a murderer who never stood trial. That just throws your whole Christian theology out of sorts, doesn't it? You know, because we need to make sure that everybody gets punished, right? And here is this murderer, and God doesn't speak to him and says, Moses, I'm going to need you to go down and turn yourself into the nearest jail. He says, no, Moses, I've decided that you're going to be the one to set my people free. That doesn't even, we can't even comprehend that in our American mind that says, first, Moses, you need to go pay. That's what we tell him. Moses, you need to go pay, and maybe God will give you a prison ministry. (laughs) (laughs) God says, (laughs) it, it amazes us how quickly God can forgive something. You see, we, we think that God can't forgive, and it's because we're projecting our unforgiveness on God. He's actually pretty easy for Him to forgive people. Here's a murderer. He doesn't even bring up the subject, he doesn't even bring it up. He just says, Hey, I'm sending you. And Moses goes, um, I'm the murderer. I don't think that's a good idea. God said, I ain't asked you about your ideas. I'll send who I want to send. I want to send you, the murderer. And so there are some of you that you are sitting in a room and you think you're disqualified because of sin in your life. I talk about this all the time, and the reason I talk about it all the time is because it comes up all the time. It's that people have to realize that your sin does not disqualify you. It doesn't. Your sins don't disqualify you because if they did, your sins would be greater than God. And I'm here to tell you they're not. They're not. Your failures are not greater than God either. Some people think they're the sum of all the failures in their life. And because of that, they've been disqualified. And God says, let me handle your failures. Let me handle your sin. Let me handle the hurt in your life that you think because you've been hurt that way, you can never move into anything else. God says, let me handle that. And I want to tell you today that your sin and your failures and your hurts do not disqualify you. From saying yes to God, hmm. Moses has to say we don't necessarily. It doesn't record it, but God answers him later on. But he has to be thinking, God, I'm a fugitive. I'm on the run. I'm I'm in this desert not because I thought it was a great place to live. <laughs> I'm here because I'm running. Are there anybody? Is there anybody in the room running today? Can I speak to you for just a moment that that you've been running? Moses was running from something he did. I bet you there's people in the room that have been running from God. You knew God wanted you. You knew God was calling you. But you ran. And we don't even have to discuss why you ran because that's not important. (laughs) I really don't... It it doesn't matter why you're running. I just want to ask you to stop running. Would you stop running from God? And would you say yes today? Because even the one who is currently running, you are not disqualified. Because I will tell you this, I don't care how fast you run. Some of y'all know what I'm saying. You can't outrun God. You can't do it. You'll hear people say, I'm just going to get up and move from here. I'm just going to start over. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. Because you're going to follow you wherever you go. <laughs> but I got good news. Wherever you go and how far you run and how fast you run, I will tell you this, God is faster. And He can run further. And so let's just decide today if you've been a runner. All right? If running's been your M.O. That you Stop. <laughs> That you'd quit running and say yes to God. Hmm. Moses might have said he was too old. He was 80 years old when he goes to Pharaoh. He was 40 when he got the call, but that's when he sinned and he messed it up. And so he spent 40 years trying to fix it all and get it back right. By about 80 years old, a lot of people are sitting there thinking, I'm on the downhill side, I'm going to coast the rest of the way. (laughs) Right? Right? Kinda of like Moses, he's like, I've built a pretty good herd of sheep out here, or whatever they're called. And, uh I got a pretty good life. I'm I'm just gonna coast. I'm I'm gonna retire and you know, I'm gonna have a good time, I'm gonna take it easy, I'm gonna fish and hunt and shop and whatever. I'm just gonna have a good time. Cause I'm I'm too old to to be used by God. Hmm. Can I tell you? that the lie is you're too young until the day that the enemy turns it and then he tells you you're too old. Now, listen to me. Because there's both in the room. There are some of you that you're saying, I- I've got plenty of time. I've got plenty of time. I'll do it later. I'll-, I'll do it when it's more convenient. Not now. There's just too many things going on. I'll do it later. I've got time. The lie is that you've got time and that you're young until the enemy turns. One day you'll just wake up. And the lie shifts and you didn't even know it. And the lie went from you're too young to you know what? You're too old. You're past your prime. Or you waited too late. It's too late now. Can I tell you that being too young is no excuse? I don't care how young you are. God can use you. Our kingdom kids, Pastor Pastor Leanne, she tells people all the time, she said, our kids do not have a junior Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is as powerful in them and can move in a young person's life as He can move in an old person's life. I don't care how old you are, that age is not an excuse. God will use you wherever you are. If you're young, He'll use your enthusiasm. If you're old, He'll use your experience. And then... He's tried to pass those off. That didn't work. And so then maybe you say, I, I just don't have any experience. Have any of you ever done that? God, you felt like God was calling you to something. You say, I don't have the experience for that. Yeah, you didn't have the experience for walking either, but you figured that out. <laughs> yeah, there, there was a point. I'll take you back to it. That you couldn't walk. Yeah. Now you're doing fine. Yeah. Even Barrett's got his wheelchair. Boy, he'll roll over your foot in just a minute. He said, you can't stop me. Right, Barrett? Barrett said, you can't stop me. I'll go where I want to go. You know? There was a time you couldn't walk, but you got up because there was something that you wanted. Yeah? There was something that you couldn't get on your tail. That's a better word than you know. You can't get the call of God sitting on your tail. But see, when you were a baby, you were sitting on your hind end and there was something that you wanted and you decided, I'm going to go for it. And you fell and you stumbled and you, you maybe got a few black eyes and a few bumps on your head and, and your mama looked at you and you go, oh, they'll learn soon if it doesn't kill them. But you make it, right? And you're walking now, all of you. And, and I won't give any other examples. I'll just tell you that whatever God has called you to, you've never done it before. That's not an excuse. It just means you've got to try. You you can't buy experience off of a shelf. Did you know that? Walmart doesn't sell it and the grocery store doesn't sell it. You can't buy experience. And you can't borrow someone else's. You're going to have to walk through some stuff. And as soon as you stop making excuses that you don't have experience to do what God has called you to do, the sooner you can start walking. I have decided that we are far more interested in failure than God is. Do you know that if you make a mistake, God doesn't panic? Did you know that? Like if you step out and start trying to follow God and you make some mistakes, do you know that God is not going to look at you and go, Oh my goodness. Mm, I think he messed it up beyond all repair." He's not going to do it. Can I tell you that God is the best math major I have ever seen? Mr. is a math teacher back there. You can't do math like this when you go to school Monday morning, but I'll tell you this. God can work your equation in life, and you can mess up, and he can still make the problem work out in the end. Yeah. He... He does math like no one I've ever seen. Now, now Mr. Catterman will tell you that if you make a mistake, that you've got to start all over again. And there is some starting over. But a lot of people won't start over. They'll quit. They'll just quit. And I will tell you that God is good enough at math that He can take your mistake and still work the problem out to your good. So you cannot be so worried about failure. As a church, I'd love for us to just decide this morning, if we could, that we're okay with people trying and making some mistakes. We're, it, it's almost like we tell ourselves that if we make a mistake, then we must have not been fi- uh, following the Holy Spirit. And, and then all of the world will crumble. Ooh, that's too much pressure to put on yourself. Yeah, you need to lighten up. Yeah, you... You need to lighten up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God realizes that when He gets people, He don't get them in perfect form. That's why He said that, that, that He will perfect the work in you. He'll do it. He'll do it. Yeah. So then if we make our way through the, the disqualifying statements, Lord, who am I? Moses had a few more he thought he'd try on God. And these have to do with being Unqualified. You ever felt like you were unqualified? You know, I, I'm just—I'm not qualified for this thing that God is is doing. In verse thirteen, look at, uh, look at what he says. He says, of chapter, sorry, chapter three, verse thirteen. He says, verse yeah, verse thirteen. The God of your fathers has sent me. Now they may say to me. What is his name? What shall I say to them? <laughs> Y'all listening good? He doesn't even know God's name. He doesn't even know God's name. God, you're like, I don't get it. Let me, let me break that down for you. God selects a leader that has got to take an entire nation of slaves and bring them out into freedom. And God selects someone that doesn't know his name. I, that thing just, oh, that thing is deep inside my spirit. <laughs> because you're sitting there thinking, he can't possibly call me because I don't know him well enough. God chooses Moses, and when you think about Moses, you think about the one later on in like chapter thirty three or so that says, God spoke to Moses as a friend speaks to a friend, and you think that's the Moses we're talking about. But when God called Moses, the one that speaks as a friend speaks to a friend, Moses looked at God and said, "Um, who are you?" <laughs> he didn't even know <laughs> You see, if we were gonna pick somebody to do something in the church, <laughs> we'd go get the most spiritual person we could find, right? We would go get somebody with a great religious pedigree. We say, let's go choose them, right? Let's go choose the one that know the Bible well. Let's go choose the one that have been in church all their life, and God says, Excuse me, I don't want you to pick. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? You remember when Samuel went to pick the king, and they put all the good ones in front of him—the strong ones, and the tall ones, and the mighty ones—and the and the prophet looks and goes, "Nope, nope, nope, nope." They're down to the last one, little shepherd boy out in the field. They bring him. Yep, that's the one. That's the one. God chooses someone to bring an entire nation out of Egypt and at the moment that He calls him, Moses doesn't even know who he is. That fills my heart because that means I can look at any one of you and say, you know what? It doesn't even matter if you don't even know God right now. (laughs) What you need to do first is say yes. Turn to God. And then God says, "I will teach you who I am. I will be the I am." <laughs> there, there There are times where we pick religious people, and you know, a lot of times we'll stand behind pulpits like this and we'll pontificate. And we'll talk and we'll drum some people up about some stuff. I imagine there were some people down in Egypt talking to the Israelites every Sabbath, telling them, God is good and, and God is this. And you know what would happen on Monday morning? they go right back to the brickyard as a slave. Right back to the brickyard as a slave. God says there are some people that they know my word and they can quote it and all kind of stuff, but on Monday morning they'll go back and live as a slave. I want to choose somebody who doesn't know me well, but they're not a slave, and I'll empower them because I got a whole group of people who were bound up, and I need to set them free. And a person bound up can't do it, so I'm gonna take a wild one. <laughs> that really doesn't even know my name, and I'll send them. That'll blow your theology slam out of the water, won't it? (laughs) God says, I'll choose who I want to choose. But Moses says, okay, I I tried to tell him I didn't know him. That didn't work. So now in verse chapter 4, verse... verse, uh, where am I at? I done got all out of store. That verse messes me up. Can you tell? Oh. Yeah, now I look at people and they're like, there's all kind of craziness in their life and I'm like, ooh, that could be the one. <laughs> that, could be, that could be the one. You know? <clears throat> okay. Got to keep moving. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses moves into this. Uh, wh- what if? What if? You ever had some what ifs? You ever ran through some what-ifs in your mind? Moses runs through a what-if. What if they will not believe me or listen to me for what I say? For they may say to me, the Lord has not appeared to you. Moses looks at God and he says, what What if they don't believe me? What if, what if they don't trust me? What if they don't think that I'm called by God? What if they don't think I've got the stuff? What if they think this? And what if they think that? You ever ran through some what-ifs at night and couldn't go to sleep until about 4 o'clock in the morning? Because you were running through all the what-ifs. Yeah. And so Moses is running through all of these what-ifs. And if you are not careful, you will be frozen at the point of your what-ifs. In fact, sometimes the most spiritual of us, we will do that. I, I don't know if you know this or not as a strategy of the Christian community, but the Christian community, if God gives them something that seems too big for them to do, which God is giving us, by the way, Good Christian folk will begin to ask a bunch of what-if questions. Because we have found that as Christians, if we can ask enough what-ifs, we can talk ourselves out of doing anything. So we'll have what-if meetings. (laughs) We'll call meetings just so we can start talking about the what-ifs so we can convince ourselves we shouldn't do what God called us to do. Yeah. Can I tell you that all the what-ifs are no excuse? Yeah, you got to trade all of your what ifs in for but God. Verse 10, chapter 4. Moses is not doing well. God has something for every excuse. He looks at God in verse 10 and he says, But God, I am slow to speak. I can't speak well. I can't lead well. God, surely you've got the wrong person. You ever thought that? Surely I'm the wrong person. I can't do this. I, I, I'm not. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. I wasn't born on the right side of the tracks into the right family. I don't have what it takes. I, I can't do it, God. And if you say you can't long enough, you'll move into verse thirteen. Here's what it says. I'm gonna read it to you in the New American Standard, and then I'm gonna read it to you in the. The NIV, which I really like. Here's what it says in the New American Standard. But he said, please, Lord, now send the messenger by whom you will. That doesn't make so much sense. But let me read it to you in the NIV. This is what Moses says to God. (laughs) Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) If you've got an NIV Bible, that's how it's translated in the NIV. I'll read it to you one more time. Because I bet you you've said it before. If you've walked with God for very long, it's probably come up. It's a great excuse. Moses looks at God and he says, uh, pardon your servant, Lord. Could you please just send somebody else? There are countless people that are reading newspapers, seeing all the bad things that are going on, and they'll pray to God and say, God, please send somebody. God says, I am. I'm sending you. And you go, oh no, Lord, please send, send somebody else. I got plenty of excuses, Lord, please, please send send somebody, send somebody else. Hmm. Can I tell you today that I don't ever want you to walk into heaven and meet the person that took your place? You. Whoa. 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 <laughs> that yeah. that dropped like a hammer, didn't it? <laughs> mm. You know there's a point in heaven where your tears have to be wiped away. I, I, you know, there's some I wonder why? you know what are, what are we wiping away? I, I wonder if it could be, just maybe, what if you met the person who took your place? Because you were full of excuses. That goes back to what I said earlier, right? I don't want the end of your days to be defined by the excuses that you've made for not saying yes. And I don't want you to meet the person who walks up and you see them and realize that's the person that took my place. When I said no, they said, here I am, Lord, send me. They didn't even know you said no. They weren't trying to take your place. They just wanted to follow God. They were just willing to say yes. And God said, you know, I waited. And I waited. But I waited until I had to move. And so I moved on. Lord please don't let there be anybody in the sound of my voice this morning that meets the person that took your place. That you would say, "Oh, no, huh? Hey, nobody's taking my place. Lord, here I am right now. Send me." Huh? Nobody coming in here and taking my place. Huh. Hmm. And so, we look at these things that disqualify us. If I can take you back through them real quick, The things that you think disqualify you, they're actually the things that make you the most qualified to do this. It is the hurt and the pain and the sin that bring the experience and the knowledge and the compassion that actually makes you the perfect person for this. And then God is the one that calls you. Man does not call you. Last week, I don't know if you saw it or not, but we sent Chris and Amy because they've been called of God. We didn't call them. (laughs) We can't do that. God calls people. God is the one that calls you. You know what that means to you? That means that no man can look at you and say you're not called. No man can look at you and stop the call of God on your life because it's not man that calls or qualifies. It's God. He is the one that does it. And then, you may be sitting there and you're going, but, but, but why me? Why would, why would God choose me? Because you're all called. Can I go on and say that? Yeah. Every last one of you, you're called. Yeah. You're called by God. There's a promise on your life. You're called by God. There's a promise on your life. You're called by God. There's a promise on your life. But you say, why me? I've got a better question for you. Why not you? Why not you? Why can't God use you? Why can't God look down at you and say, I choose you. I choose you. Why can't He do that? He is more than enough to be able to say that. And so, there are excuses... But hear me, everywhere there is an excuse, there's an invitation. You hear me? Everywhere there is an excuse, there is an invitation by God. And if you will move past the excuses, you can move into the invitation, which then causes you not to make as many excuses. Oh, that was a mouthful. That was a mouthful. So can I tell you today that you've been invited? (laughs) You've been invited. There's an invitation. The invitation is for you to be with God. God said, certainly I will be with you. Moses' question was, oh my goodness, who am I and and what is your name? And God says, Moses, if you'll just say yes, I will be with you. You have been invited to come into God. An invitation to, to more of God. God says, I am. Do you know what is involved when God says, I am? Oh. You see, the people of Israel, they had known God as mighty, but they hadn't known Him personally. There might be some people in the room today that if I asked you, if you believe God created the heavens and the earth, you'd say yes. If you believe that God is, you would say yes. But if I asked Him, do you know Him, you'd say not much. You're kind of right where Moses is. When God says, I am, is sending you. He's saying this, I was, I am, and I will be. I was in your past. I am in your present situation. And I will be in anything that I call you to. And what he was inviting Israel into was a relationship To where he could tell them, I am. I am faithful. God says, I want you to know that I'm faithful. That I am present. I'm with you. That I am peace. That's why you hadn't found it yet, because you hadn't found it in me. I am your provider, I am your shepherd. I am the one who will go before you. I am everything you'll ever need. You see, when you say yes, you are being invited into a relationship with God so that He might reveal all that He is. All that He is and all that He will be. And then He is inviting you into what I think is incredibly special, which is this. If you will say yes to God. Are you listening? If you will say yes, and you will start moving with God, you will open up a path for others to be obedient and say yes as well. Do you hear that? I want you to get a picture of that. That it's more than just you. God says, I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing. He says, if you'll say yes and you'll start walking out of your yes obedience, I'll create a path and other people are gonna walk behind you. Yeah. yeah. The people of Israel, yeah. The people of Israel got out because Moses said yes. He made a path for other people to say yes to. So he created a path of obedience. And your path of obedience saying yes is changes things for the kingdom. You'll bring the kingdom wherever you go. And you'll set things in order. You'll go into chaotic situations and they'll be like, I sure like it when so-and-so's called in to work. Because it just goes better when they're there. I just like it when so-and-so's at church. Why? Because you you, you feed off of the, the Spirit of God in them their knowledge of God and so you you make a way for people <laughs> So he wants you He wants you He wants you <laughs> Will you say yes? Will you say yes? And will you say yes right now? Right now. There's only one time you can say yes. It's right now. You can't say, I'm going to go home and think about it. <laughs> you can't do it. You, you'll miss it. There's times where there's, there's grace flowing. And I know you might be scared, but I don't want you to go home and think about it. Because you'll make excuses. You see, talking season's over. Can I tell you that? I actually believe, I want to speak this prophetically over what I believe is is the church and what God is doing. The talking season's over. That the season of just getting up and talking is old and it's tired and we're tired of getting pumped up and hyped up and going back to the brickyard. Yeah? Everybody's tired of that. And, And so... What I'm doing today is more than talking. We're making preparation. Okay? And we're putting feet to the fire. And I'm going to hold yours to it. That you will say yes. And y'all hold me. Yes. That our yes means something. So let me tell you what's happening this week. On Thursday, we are meeting with architects to draw up what we believe is this church's plan for ministry. Yeah, <laughs> And can I tell you that I've never seen anything like what's rattling around inside my head and heart. <laughs> and one of the questions was, what's your budget? <laughs> so, Chris is our treasurer. <laughs> and And we had a little figure inside our head. And that thing got blown up so bad. Like before we ever started drawing, they blew up our figure. And our figure was already more than if you look at our bank account than we could afford. Can I just tell you that? And so they want us to come Thursday with our budget. But I've decided here is my answer. Don't worry about what it costs. You just draw the vision. Yeah. yeah 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 I want I, I want to I wanna look at the architect come Thursday and he's a Christian and we had to have a Christian architect We, we had to have one on this project you know because nobody else would even start drawing you know but here's what we're going into on Thursday look, your job is to draw and to hear the vision that's inside of us. And I looked at him when we met and I said, I am praying for you. And he said, you are. I said, yes. I said, because I have prayed that God will send the person that can put this vision on paper. And I believe you're the one. Yeah. But, but you see, we already know that it's more than, than we have in our account. Do you realize that? Yeah. Yeah. Now we can make excuses. And we could draw the vision down to what we can afford. But I believe we'll miss God. And I'm telling you that as a church that is what God is calling us to. He is calling us to step out and do what he has asked us to do and then trust him to make a way. Yeah. So last week I asked any of you who would say yes to the call of God on your life, and I had like 32 people respond to that text message. So I'm going to ask you to put it up. Yeah, (laughs) 32 people. So I'm going to ask you to put it up again, and it'll be one of the few times you're allowed to text in church and encouraged to do it. (laughs) That number right there, if you will text your name, and if you already know what God has called you to, then text that. Next week, we're going to celebrate some of the calls of God that are on people's hearts that they're already moving in. We're also celebrating the people, and I love this when I heard people that said, Yes, help. Yes. Help me. Help me say yes. You got something? You want to do it right there? Go ahead. Go ahead. This is my wife. She can do that. Anybody can Um, If you're on the fence about yes I know that's hard because we do like to make excuses I've done the very same thing I've said no before even really giving it thought God has given me a great verse And it's just been recently That I found this verse But it's in Psalms 37 It says the Lord directs the steps of the godly He delights in every detail of their lives Though they may stumble They will never fall For the Lord holds them by their hand. So, (laughs) you know what's so great about that? Yes, God's got your back. Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's some ways we're going to take some steps. For anybody who wants to say, yeah, I want to move forward, but I don't really know how. I'm going to start giving you some steps to walk out. I'm going to start giving you some steps to walk out. I can't walk out 32 people's steps. Or 48 people or 150 people can't do it. I can't outwork you. But if you'll say yes, I guarantee you this church will come alongside of you. And we will help you and we'll walk with you just like we know that God will.